A great life isn't about great huge things. It's about small things that make a big difference. And certainly that thought is very prevalent today, certainly with authors. Take a look at the screen. Title of this book is The Little Things That Make a Big Difference. Also websites, The Little Things You Do Make a Big Difference. Hug someone today, this website says. And then this book is Little Things That Can Make a Difference If You Want a Successful Football Program. This book called The Biz tells you about little things that make a big difference in leadership or little things that can make a big difference in your ministry. But this morning, what we want to talk about, little thoughts that can make a big difference in your life. And as we head in that direction, take a look at this. I can't believe he's acting like that. What a jerk. He must be having a really hard day. Maybe God put me here to make a difference in his life. What am I doing here? I don't have anything interesting to say. I just want to go home and get in my sweats. I'm really looking forward to making some new friends. Even though this is out of my comfort zone, I'm trusting God will bring something awesome out of this party. I can't do anything right. No wonder my boss won't promote me and my wife doesn't respect me. God's not finished with me yet. I can be the man he created me to be at work and at home. I don't even know why I'm interviewing for this job. Everyone else here looks like they have it all together. I'm sure I won't get it. I can't wait to interview today. I really believe I have a lot to offer. Even if I don't get this one, I know God has a plan. I just can't stop doing this. I'm so frustrated with myself. I will always be this way. I can do this through Christ's strength. He will help me overcome. Succeeding at the big things has a lot to do with the little things. Thoughts? Well, that's true. Small things hidden within us, they often result in big things which are highly impactful beyond us. That's especially true in our thinking. Just one little thought. Just one little thought that no one sees within you can lead to a large impact on you and others beyond what you can imagine. That's so true. And that's perhaps is why King Solomon in Proverbs 23, 7 in the New King James Version says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. In other words, as any of us think, so we are and so we become Because your direction in life will always move towards your strongest thoughts. If you think you can't, you probably won't. If you think you don't have anything to offer, then you probably won't have much of an impact in areas of life that you'd like to. If you think you can, you probably will. You'll be able to seize opportunities before you. If you think God is with you and for you, you will see his presence and you will see his power in your life. This morning, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a thought audit. I want you to think about what you think about. Now, on a scale of 1 for worried and 10 for peaceful, this last week, where were your thoughts on that scale? On a scale of 1 for negative and 10 for positive, where were your thoughts last week in terms of negative and positive? And in terms of worldly and eternal, worldly at 1, eternal at 10, where were your thoughts this week? Think about what you thought about. And so when it comes to worried, What kind of thoughts did you have this week? Did you worry any about your kids? Did you worry anything about your job? Did you worry about your health or the health of someone that you know and you care about? 
Or did you worry about money? Did you have some big expense last week? Well, if you find yourself in those kind of thinking, maybe you're a little bit more on the worried side of the scale. How about peace? Did you have an incredibly peaceful week, anyone? Do you have a sense of security and the promises of God? And that, that really brings you peace in your life. Did you have sort of a supernatural peace about you that's far beyond your natural ability? Did anything bad happen to you last week? But you trusted that God was in charge, and so therefore you didn't freak out over that. If you did think that kind of way, then perhaps you're more on the peaceful side. Now, secondly, in terms of thinking, you know, some of us, I hate to say it, some of us have the spiritual gift of negativity. It's true. Some of us always seem to find out what's wrong with things before we find out what's right. Some of us are really critical of other people. Some of us assume the worst before we would assume something better. Some of us are discontented in our lives. If I was married, then I would be happy. So what do you do? You get married and then it's like, well, if I had kids, then I would be happy. So you have kids. And then you think, you know, if I had different kids, then I'd really be happy. Because what you think has a lot to say about your life. And discontent can be a part of it. So if you find yourself thinking those kind of things, you may be more on the negative end of the scale. But then on the other side of that, if you, like, say, go into something and you see the best in it, then you may be more on the positive side. Maybe you go into a church and you see God working there. You go into a tough situation and you see that maybe there is some good that come out of this and that God's going to work together for good in all things. Maybe that puts you more on the positive side. And then after that, when it comes to worldly things, do you ever think about the kind of car you drive? Or do you think about the brands of things that you have? Or do you think about trying to come up with something, find something that's going to match something else you have? Do you ever wonder, do people really like me? And do you worry about those kinds of things? Do you think about, well, if I do this, what will people think? Or if I go there, what will people think? If that's you, then perhaps you're more on the worldly side of things. It's not bad. It's just the way it works. A little more worldly. Now, on the eternal side, if you wake up in the morning and you say, hey, God, how could you use me today to make a difference? You might be more on the eternal side. If you uh, see someone who's far from God and your heart aches for that person, then you might be more on the eternal side and you're thinking. If you say, how can I leverage my time and my talent, my resources to try to impact others for God? then you might be more on the eternal side. So here's what I want you to do. I want you this morning on that scale of one for worried or ten for peaceful, just mentally in your mind, circle one of those numbers there that would represent your thinking in the last week. And then on that second line, with negative being one, ten being positive, think about your last week and circle your thinking last week. Was it more on the negative or more on the positive side? And thirdly, that last line there where it says worldly at one and eternal at ten. Think about your thoughts last week. And so were your thoughts more on the scale of the worldly or more on the scale of the eternal? And just mentally mark that as well. Has everybody got where you're marked? Okay. Well, if you're like me, you probably didn't mark three tens. Or if you're like me, you probably didn't mark three nines. And so if you are like me and did mark three tens or three nines, and God has something to say to me and say to you this morning, because our culture and our world constantly guides us to the wrong side of that scale. There's always something that says, worry about me. 
or there's something always that we can be negative about, or there's always things that we can think about that are going to make us feel better that don't really last, certainly aren't eternal. And that's just the world that we live in today. And that's why I think Paul said this in Romans 12th chapter, verse 2 in the New Living Translation. Paul said, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. And what did he mean by that? Well, the behaviors and customs of this world say things aren't going well. It's really good to worry about it. Or if something's not going right, let's just get negative over that. Or if you're just not feeling good about things, what can you find in the world? What can you go buy? What can you go do? It's going to make you feel better. Not going to last, but it's at least going to make you feel better right now. Paul says, don't copy those customs and behaviors in your life. In fact, if you think those kind of things, Paul says, don't copy that from yesterday and paste it into tomorrow. Instead, he said, let God transform you into a, look at this, a new person by changing the way that you think. You know, when we think of transformation, we're thinking, whoa, this is a really big deal. I would like to be transformed in some area of my life, but man can't imagine what all has to be done to do that. But see, God says, let me transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Hmm. Not any other big stuff, but just changing your thoughts. Because you will become like your strongest thoughts. Now, if your thoughts are worried thoughts, then guess what? You're going to be a worried person. If your thoughts are negative, guess what? You're going to find out that you're a negative person at times. And if you're worldly, you're going to find out that you're a worldly person. But on the other end of that scale, if you're a peaceful person, you think peaceful thoughts, guess what? You're going to be a person of peace. If your thoughts are positive, you're going to become a more and more and more positive person. If you are thinking eternal thoughts, you're going to become more and more a spiritually focused, spiritually minded person. Because you will become like your strongest thoughts. So how do you change your pattern of thinking that Paul is talking about here? Well, the good news is there's only two parts to it. This is great because there's only two things. And the first one is this. Change your destructive thoughts. In other words, if you worry a lot, realize that that worry is a destructive thought. If you're negative all the time, realize that negative is a destructive thought. If you find yourself just grabbing at things from the world, buying things and doing things that don't really last to make you feel better short term, thinking about those kinds of things are negative and destructive kinds of thoughts. The reason that you need to catch your destructive thoughts is because they lead to other things. In other words, thoughts lead to beliefs. So if you have destructive thoughts, guess what? You're going to end up with destructive beliefs. And beliefs lead to words. So if you have destructive beliefs, they're going to cause you to have some destructive words. Words lead to actions. The same thing again. Destructive words lead to destructive actions. Actions lead to habits. And if the actions are destructive, well, the habits will be too. And habits in our lives lead to basically our life. Our life is made up of lots and lots of habits. And if they're destructive, so is our life. And our lives basically lead us to whatever our destiny is going to be. And so if our lives are filled with destructive thoughts and destructive things, then ultimately our destiny can be destructive as well. And 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 in the NIV says this, For though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now, how does the world wage war? Well, if you're worried, the world says, just don't worry about it. Just pretend it's not there. Pretend it's not real. Just ignore it. This week as we were visiting 
The sharing center in Longwood, the lady gave us a really good example of this. She said, we do supply uh, funds for sometimes for utilities, even sometimes for rent, but you have to come in and talk to a crisis counselor. So we had this family come in, and they said they couldn't pay their rent this month, and they wondered if we could help them. So part of what they do is they say, well, let me see your bank statements and your bills for the last three, four months, and let's see what we can do. And so the counselor noticed that there was an $800 charge taken out of their bank. $800 were taken out of their bank this month. I said, well, what, what's up with that? Because if that wasn't taken out, you could have paid us. He says, well, you know what? We just felt like we really needed a weekend at Disney World. Really? So this family just said, well, you know what? We'll just uh, take $800 out of the account that would have gone to the rent, and we'll have a weekend at Disney World. And then we'll go find somebody who will pay that for us. We're just not going to worry about it. You see, that's a little bit of an extreme case, but we all kind of operate on certain levels in that way. The world also wages war by if something's not going right, let's just feel real negative about it. If it's something we think we can change, let's spread the negativity. Let's just keep pounding that, and sooner or later, maybe it'll turn positive in some way. Or the other thing is the world says, hey, if you're not feeling good, go find something temporary to do or buy or say. It's going to make you feel better. It's really not going to last. So though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. Although we fight, we don't fight with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, big word in that. On the contrary, the weapons we fight, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you look at this word power in the New Testament, the Greek word that was originally written in is dunamis. And dunamis means dynamite. Isn't that cool? In other words, the divine power that we have is like divine dynamite. It's like explosive power that God gives us. And it's power to what? Scripture says it's power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? The word in the Greek is akuroma. And the Greek means to be locked up by a wrong or false thoughts or thinking. As if you were held like in a prison, something like that. And if you think in your life, you know, there's certain patterns of thought that you have that do kind of hold you back. Well, that's a stronghold in your life. And so the scripture says that we have the divine dynamite explosive power to demolish, to blow up, to get rid of, to say goodbye completely to false thinking and false thoughts that imprison us. And so Satan's greatest power, that's no big secret. It's lies. It's deceptions. God's greatest power is truth. And that's why Jesus says the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free from those thoughts that are lies and that are deception that keep you captive. Those lies that are destructive in your life. Continuing in 1 Corinthians 10, 3-5 in the New International Version, we read, We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We demolish. We use this divine, explosive, dynamite power to blow up arguments, to get rid of pretension. And I love that word, pretension. Pretense is based upon what? Pretend. That's what Satan does. Satan says, hey, here's this thing, and you need to grab a hold of it, and you need to think about it, but it's just pretend. It's not real, and those things can hold us captive. Those things can keep us locked up. So God says, demolish arguments, and every pretension sets off up against the knowledge of God, and then we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, we've talked about taking thoughts captive before. But what God is saying here is, you really got to look at them. If you got worry, you're worried about things, 
if you're negative about things, if you're consumed with trying to make yourself feel better with all sorts of worldly things that don't last, then those are the kind of thoughts that God's talking about here. You need to take those kinds of thoughts captive. You need to isolate those thoughts and go, you know what? This really isn't good in my life. And use that dynamite power of God to make them obedient to Christ. Because there's two sources of thought. I don't know if you ever thought about this. There's Satan and there's God. Now, Satan says, no, 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 not two. There's three. There's neutral, middle ground thoughts. You know, I mean, they're neither good nor bad. They're just, you're just neutral. They're in the middle. And the problem is, is when we believe that, then we make God kind of neutral. And God says, now, the neutral middle ground thoughts, that's really not source of thinking. It's really either Satan or myself. And God says, you really just need to focus on one source. And he said, that's me. So when we talk about taking captive our thoughts, we need to look at them and see, are they destructive or are they not? Are they good or are they bad? Or what really is the source of them? And the ones that we know are not of God and that hold us back and keep us prisoned and locked up in ways, we need to put them to Christ and let his power overcome them. So if you change your pattern of thinking, the first thing you do is you've got to catch your destructive thoughts. You just can't let them keep going on and on and on because if they do, what do you got? You've got the same thing again and again and again. So catch your destructive thoughts. There is an app. It's really kind of more for kids than adults that you can get for your phone. It's called Truth or Trash. <laughs> And uh, basically, a young person could ask questions, and then there's two buttons there. There's a truth button and a trash button. And so they might ask questions like this in the app. When I'm not liked, there must be something wrong with me. If you're a young person, it might be easy to think that. And not only uh, if you're a young person, it's easy to think that, but as adults, don't we think that too? If these people don't like me, there must be something wrong with me. The child or the young person could push the button, truth or trash, and they might want to push truth. There is something wrong with me. But then the app will say, no, it's not true. There's probably something wrong with the person that doesn't like you. They push, it's trash. Then again, they're reiterated with truth of that. Another one might be, I have wisdom when I'm older. In other words, I don't need to be wise now or be accountable now. And so it's the same kind of thing. And you know what? As we look at our thoughts and really try to determine the ones that are destructive in our lives, we need the same thing. We kind of need an internal truth or trash kind of a process in our life. And so God says, catch your destructive thoughts. The second thing he said, this is the only other thing to do this, is to fix your thoughts on spiritual things. Fix your thoughts on spiritual things. Now, Philippians 4, 8, 9 tells us the kind of things to fix our thoughts on Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and right. Fix your thoughts on what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. You see, if you don't focus on the worry, the negative, and the worldly things, instead you start focusing on things that are admirable, you're going to have this admirable sense in your life. If you think about things that are lovely, your life will become more lovely, more pure. Think about things that are right. Your life will move in that direction to more and more right things, more and more honorable, more and more true things. All those things have an excellence, and your life will have an excellence to it. And the peace that God has for you in your life, it will be with you. The two-part process, capture the false thoughts, capture the lies, and focus on true thoughts, thoughts that are spiritual, thoughts that are eternal. Now, I want to share with you this process in my life. Let me give you an example of this. 
my longtime believe lie came out of my success in certain things. I was successful in making the high school basketball team, got to start a number of games. They credited me with winning one of the games my senior season. I was in a popular group at school, had lots of friends, went to college, was in a popular group, got to join a fraternity. I had success in the skateboard and skate park industries. I got to stage uh, models in condominium developments. These were oceanfront condos. I got to build a large youth group out of nothing, earned a three-year master's of divinity degree in record time, won a national evangelism award. So because of my successes there, I thought this is what I was supposed to be. I thought I was supposed to be a high-profile, well-known pastor of a very big church. I thought I'd be writing books and speaking at national seminars. I thought I'd be a very influential pastor of thousands and thousands of people. Until God showed me a couple of things about this is who I really am. And God wants to show all of us who we really are. Now, for me, it came when I was at a church planning conference with a couple other pastors, and we kind of imagined what it would be like if all three of us joined together to plan a church. Because we hear if you have more than one pastor, it's much better. The seminar said you need three. You need to have one who's like a prophet. He's the leader and he's the speaker. You need to have one who, in a sense, is like a king and he administers things. And you need to have a priest, and that's a person who cares about people. And so I couldn't wait till the session was over so I could get together with these guys. I said, because you guys know I'm the prophet. I'm going to be the lead guy. I'm going to be the speaker, aren't I? And they both looked at me with a crazy look like, huh? Are you kidding? No, no. You're the priest. You care about people in a way beyond we do. We care about people too, but not the way you care about people. No, no, you're the priest. I was blown away. I said, yeah, you can speak and you can lead and you can administer, but where you really are stronger than us is in that people caring. And I was like, what's up with that? And then the other thing that God showed me was the fact that as we started East Point, we grew for a while, and then after that, we didn't. And we were a small church, and then after that, God kind of engineered it so that we would figure out and receive from Him His desire for us to go out and to care for people and help people. We do that every other Sunday. So I kind of learned a little bit more about myself and what God wanted for me. And we see in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord. The plans that I had were not the plans that God had. And that's because I was using false thinking. So for most of my years in ministry, I was pursuing this other thing, I thought, instead of pursuing what God really wanted me to pursue. Here's the thing about you and me. We all have plans in our lives as well. It's so easy for our plans to be something other than God's plans. It's hard. That's hard for us to understand. But you see, you will always run into frustration, worry, negativity, desire just to have some relief when we are knocking our heads against God's plan for our life. And let me say, when you're in the groove of God's plan, you're still going to have some tough times. It's not all just smooth sailing, but there'll be a lot less intense and a lot less frequent. So Jeremiah 29, 11 again says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. And that word prosper, we can really, really misinterpret in these days. You know, I thought the prosperity would be big, big ministry, where God said, 
No, I'm going to prosper you in the way that I made you, in the way you really are. And you're going to enjoy that. You're going to be fruitful in that. You're, you're going to just have a great sense of peace in your life about that. And that's the way God wants for you. So when your plan is His plan for you, you will have a real sense of fulfillment in your life. Far beyond any that you could create otherwise. And so God says, I have a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So the hope he has for all of us is that we will learn to let go of those destructive thinking and destructive thoughts and our plans and go with his plan. Because what a future we have when we do that. So what does God want to show you this morning? Well, God wants to show you not just this morning, but in this next week and next week, actually the rest of your life. He wants to show you who you really are. Think about that. I mean, who of us would not sign up to hear and to see who we really are. I mean, if there was some seminar and an angel was going to be there and guaranteed the angel's going to tell you who you really are, who God created you to be, who of us wouldn't really spend almost everything we have to find that out? Well, the good news is it's not really cost you anything except just to look inside and examine your thinking. And what God wants to show you is there, what are the false thinkings, the lies that you need to capture and, and you need to put under Christ's dynamite power to out them from your life. And what are the true spiritual thoughts that God created you to focus on in your life? Well, let me share with you as we're talking about this, my spiritual thoughts, my true thoughts that God has me to focus on. The first one is this, grow where you are planted. And I got this from a student paper from one of my students at Palm Beach Atlantic University. And this girl wrote this in her paper, and she mentioned it a couple times in class. I think I'm just supposed to grow where I'm planted. And, and I don't know that I fully understood at the time, but it just keeps growing stronger and stronger in my life. The problem that a lot of us have is we don't really are excited about growing where we are because we don't want to be where we are. I want to be planted someplace else. But God says, not just grow where you're planted, this young lady also said, and flourish where you're planted. Grow and flourish where you are planted. Think about it. Instead of thinking about, I want to be planted someplace else, how about thinking about growing and flourishing right where you are? That, to me, is an extremely powerful thought. One that turns a lot of things in my life and a lot of thoughts in my life away from what I thought I wanted and where I'm supposed to be to where I really am. So, grow and flourish where you are planted. And there's a second thought that I also have. It's from Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. And I've shared with you before how stressed I can be because I have lots to do sometimes and how it all piles up and weighs me down. God said, nah, don't grow weary. Weary is... Not just being tired physically, weary is being tired spiritually. Weary is your heart being really tired. And if you're like me, when that happens, what do you do? Start worried about things, I get negative, I start looking for all sorts of things that make me feel better that, that I really don't need to be reaching for. So, grow and flourish where you're planted, and don't grow weary in doing good. So how about you again? What does God want for you? Who are you really? What does God say about that? To discover that, you need to look at what false thoughts and thinking 
that you have in lies that you need to capture. You don't need to let them run wild. Now, if you're on a ranch and you have cattle, and the cattle start running outside of the, the confines of the ranch, what do you do? You go get them. You round them up because you, you got to keep them captive. Well, these thoughts you need to keep captive. But not only that, but you need with God's power to move them out of your life. And the second thing is what true spiritual thoughts do you need to focus on that you're not now? Because here's the thing, and this is huge. Some of us are one thought away, one thought away from having your life radically changed because you are what you think. So as a person thinks, so he will become. And the strongest thoughts in your life will move your life in that direction. It's kind of like what you see is what you get, what you think is what you get. Like the difference between a buzzard and a hummingbird. What is a buzzard always looking for? Something dead. Oh, good, there's a dead squirrel. Bingo! And let me fly down in and get it. What's a hummingbird look for? Hummingbird's looking for a flower. Flower that's in full bloom, that's beautiful, because it has nectar. And nectar is simply the, the liquid device that flowers use to propagate, to, to send off the pollen to other places so that they can extend life. And so a hummingbird, without really realizing, is always looking for beautiful things, sweet things, which ultimately extend life. But you see, you get what you're looking for. You get what you think, even though you don't realize that. But that's what God says this morning. He wants you to see. So let me suggest something in the morning when you wake up and you reach for your phone, those of us that do that. Don't go to Facebook first thing in the morning, okay? Instead, go to Uversion. Uversion is a free Bible app for your phone or what many other apps that are out there. Go for one of those. Read a little bit with God. Connect with God in the morning first thing. And if you don't do that, or don't have a phone that'll do that, then don't go to the TV news first thing. Um, the bad news of somebody else being carjacked or somebody else being shot. Go to... God's Word. Go to the Bible and see what God has to say. And spend just a few minutes with Him there. And also pray. You don't have to pray 10 minutes, 20 minute prayers. Pray a two minute prayer in the morning. Pray something like this every morning. God, thank you for this day. I know it's a gift from you. And my gift is to give it back to you in whatever way you want. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit. God, guard my words, guard my thoughts, guard my actions to bring glory to you. God, I invite you to interrupt me all through the day. <laughs> Help me to see where you are working for me to join you there. You see, when you start focusing on God with your thoughts, you're going to see him a lot more. Share with you my frustration with my, my broken car and how much it's costing to keep it on the road. And so, you know, I've turned my attention you know, briefly, to another kind of vehicle. And so it's funny, now as I drive down the road, I see every one of those vehicles that comes along because I've turned my attention in that direction. Whenever you buy a car, have you ever noticed how after you buy it, then you notice how many other cars just like yours are out there? Wow. Uh, that's the way we are. So if you turn your attention to God, especially as you start your morning with just a, a simple two-minute prayer, and just a little bit out of the Bible, you're going to see God all day long. 
in a way that you haven't seen him before. And as you're driving to work in the morning, or if you're one of those people that like to work out, don't just listen to the usual stuff, the stuff they're pumping out, either from your car or in the gym. Listen instead to your favorite Christian artist. And if you, you know, run through all your music and you're not happy with what you're hearing on the local radio station, then if you do have a smartphone, guess what? You have hundreds of Christian stations right there at your fingertips. And many of our cars now will allow you to plug it in and play it through the radio. I happen to like the faith. And so when I'm on my bike riding or I'm paddle boarding, I'm listening to the faith. You can do the same thing. Again, it points you to God so that you're going to see more and more of God in your life. And so something happens that's good in your day. Don't say, man, I was lucky. Or, wow, I'm glad that I accomplished that. Say, God, thank you. Give God credit for that. If your boss at work is kind of disagreeable one day, say, God, you know, what's going on with my boss? Something bad must have happened to them. How can I help them to have a better day? What can I do? Or if you see someone who's in need, open your heart a little bit. Say, God, what could I do? Is there something I could do to make a difference in this person today in their life? You see, when you look around and you see God more and more and more in your thoughts and in your life, God can transform your life from what it's been to what He and you want it to be. Let me illustrate that with the story of this guy. This guy is Norman Burlog. Probably never seen him before. He died in 2009, and in the week he died, he became Person of the Week on ABC News. Tough way to get it. But Norman Burlog had this thought. Started with just one thought, and his thought was, you know what? Corn and wheat really don't grow in very dry or arid climates. But wouldn't it be great if they did? Think of all the people that could be fed for corn and wheat if they would grow in a dry and arid climate. And so he ended up hybridizing corn and wheat to be able to do that. The result? Well, in terms of world famine, he is credited with saving 2 billion people. 2 billion people. And that number is climbing all the time. Because he had an idea. It started with just one thought. But you know, maybe he's not really the one that saved two billion people from starvation. It was this guy. His name's Henry Wallace. And, and Henry Wallace was a vice president under FDR. Before that, he was secretary of agriculture. And he had this idea that wouldn't it be great if we could grow stuff in, in a wider range of climates than we do now? So he, when he was Secretary of Agriculture, set up a base in Mexico that was very dry and very arid, and he assigned as its leader Norman Burlog. So was it really maybe his one thought that led to saving two billion people? Or maybe it was somebody else. You know, his dad was a professor at Iowa State University, and there he had a student, a black man who was very intelligent, the black man took a liking to Henry, his professor's son, and he would go out on botanical expeditions. And on those expeditions, the son would go with him, and he developed a love for botany, so much so that he put his whole life in that direction. And that man, you may have heard him, his name's George, George Washington Carver. 
So maybe it was George Washington Carver who had a thought to take this little child out with him on botanical expeditions that's responsible for saving two billion people. But then again, you know, there was this woman. Her name was Susan. And her husband was named Moses. And this isn't her real picture because there's no pictures of her that exist. But it was, you know, about the same era. She lived in Diamond, Missouri with her husband. And there were times that raiders came through that robbed and killed and raped slaves because they could get away with it. And that was happening one time around her home. And she noticed a little baby was being taken. It was about to be killed. And she said to her husband, we need to save that baby. So they actually traded their last horse. They had one horse. They traded it for this baby. And they raised this baby as their own. And her name was Susan Carver. And thus, she raised George Washington Carver. So maybe it was that one thought, I need to save that little child that saved two billion people. Just one little thought. One little thought that no one sees within you can lead to a large impact on you and others beyond anything you can imagine. For as a person thinks in his heart, so that person is. So spend some time this week, spend some time in the rest of your life thinking about those false thoughts that occupy your head. Here's a clue. If it's worry and you seem to keep worrying, that's a false thought. If you're really negative about a lot of stuff a lot of the time, maybe that's a false thought. If you're always looking for something to make you feel better and none of that stuff ever really lasts, perhaps that's a false thought. But capture the false thoughts, capture the lies, spend your life with that in mind. And then focus on the true thoughts. Focus on the thoughts that God wants you to have. And in that way, He can transform you into the person you and He want you to be. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you so much for your Son, Jesus. Thank you for His words, His life. Thank you for the Apostles. Thank you for all the people of the Bible that have put their hearts into it, that have received from you the truth that we are to know. And so we thank you this morning, dear Lord, for the truth about our thinking. Help us, Father, to examine our thoughts. Help us, Father, to use the power of Christ, that dynamite explosive power, to free us from those places in our thinking that hold us captive. Give us courage, Father, to look at them and to lift them to you. And give us courage, Father, to begin thinking some new thoughts, creating some new patterns in the way we think and the things we think about. This we humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen.